88.9 FM KUCI, it's the docket. I'm Evan Simon. Welcome back to the program. 824-5824-949-UCI-KUCI is my telephone number. So glad you're with me this afternoon. As we just heard in that public service announcement, there are, in fact, a lot of pitfalls to driving on the road. (laughs) Autonomous vehicle technology certainly hopes to solve some of those problems so that we are less annoyed uh, when driving and uh, get from place to place uh, in a much safer way. And there's actually been a lot of flurry lately about uh, autonomous vehicles. California, uh, last year I believe it was, uh, passed legislation to allow for the testing of autonomous vehicles here in this state. There are a few other states that do that as well. And so it seems like we are getting closer to autonomous vehicle technology uh, the Google Car, of course, uh, people must, uh, I'm sure, are familiar with. Uh, a number of other auto manufacturers are uh, getting in on the action. But will we see autonomous vehicle technology anytime soon? Well, joining me on the line to talk about it is uh, John O'Rourke and Patrick Soon. They are both attorneys at the law firm WHGC here in Orange County. Uh, guys, you with me? Yes, yes, we are. Thanks well, for having us. Well, well, thank you very much for joining me this afternoon uh, on KUCI on the docket to talk uh, autonomous vehicle technology. Both of you co-wrote an article recently uh, in uh, Insider Council, talking uh, on Inside Council, talking about uh, who might be responsible for driverless technology when things go wrong. And uh, of course, in this kind of euphoria and utopia, <laughs> uh, all you know, uh, you know, around driverless technology. Uh, Sometimes people tend to forget uh, that uh, there might be a dark side or certainly there will be problems. And uh, people tend to forget that uh, in, in, in this kind of run up <laughs> to to the technology. And so uh, there are a lot of legal issues that need to be thought out like in a really big way, because this is a pretty fundamental change uh, in the way that we do business uh, on the road. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the. Um driverless car, as it's sometimes called, is, is uh, something that's way off in the future, but we're progressing towards that, that goal by having remote sensing vehicles and, and vehicles that communicate among themselves and uh, cars that park themselves. Uh, all these things are starting to happen, and uh, you know, at the end of that road, you think, gee, there's going to be a, a driverless car. I don't know. Yeah, well, and, and I think People are familiar with the Google car, and you know we're starting to see videos of road tests now. Uh, you, you, in your article, you talk about, uh, was it an Audi that uh, zoomed up a mountain in Colorado? <laughs> I mean, it easily could have fallen off the cliff, but it didn't because the technology seems to be working. Well, that was, uh, that's a real dicey trick to go up Pikes Peak by, uh, by any kind of vehicle, but um, I was really amazed that it actually made it up Pikes Peak. What would be really neat, though, Evan, would be a car that could just take you somewhere and you could sleep in the car while you're, you know, being driven to Las Vegas, for example. Or uh, you could check your Facebook and not mind the road as you're going to work. I mean, that would be a really great thing. Um, But the best thing about driverless technology uh, would be the elimination of all these accidents which are completely caused by human error. About... Google says right now that about 90% of all crashes can be eliminated by, um, you know, driverless technology. And right now they say about 40% of 2.2 million car crashes or deaths 
uh, involve things like alcohol, inattention, drugs, and fatigue, those very things, those very problems can be eliminated when you have, you know, a car that is driven by a computer. Yeah. I, I mean, in, in some sense, uh, and, and you point this out, uh, drivers will become passengers. We'll all be passengers. Well, the idea that of having a, a passive human in the car is uh, a bit scary when you think about it because those people in the car could be doing anything, uh, sleeping, as we said, uh, drinking, doing whatever, and this car is hurtling along the road at 100 feet per second. So there has to be some sort of, uh, I don't know, human oversight. It may call me old-fashioned, but I still think there needs to be some sort of human oversight for a vehicle. And when you get human oversight, you also get human liability. Well, I mean, in any event, even if there, you know, some there was no human oversight, uh, at least in that very moment, uh, there is always the question of liability, and, and it's a question of, uh, you know, who should be responsible if something goes goes wrong. But, but you know, more to the point about human oversight, I, I, I suspect though that there will still be a lot of people who will reject driverless technology, who will say they want to be in control of the car, you know, that they won't trust the machine, or, or they just like the feeling of driving. And so uh, I, I imagine one of the problems might be in, in any sort of transition uh, to a driverless system. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, well, that would be one of, the, one of the questions is, you know, let's suppose this technology becomes really viable. Uh, would it be the state that would mandate uh, driverless technology? I mean, could actual driving be banned by the state? It seems like that's something that could happen in the future, um, you know, for example, I think the National Highway uh, Traffic Safety Administration uh, recently came out with some regulations saying that all cars produced after this next year will have to have uh, rear-view uh, backup cameras. Yeah. So they can definitely, you know, uh, set any sort of standards, but that's, you know, that's, of course, a federal standard. Uh, that being said, the Europeans seem to be uh, years and years ahead of us. They've already come out with legislation um, you know, for the, throughout the European Union saying that we need to have people at the helm of cars even if they are going to be uh, driven by computers. So somebody has to be there in case something goes wrong and can press like a stop button or, you know, an end button. Um, so that's definitely something that would be, uh, I guess, a little more amenable to most people's mind, uh, you know, give them some sort of peace of mind when knowing that there are tons of robots you know, driving people around on the streets and, and freeways. Right. Uh, I mean, I suppose 2001, A Space Odyssey, and any sort of science fiction in which the machine is in charge, uh, you know, should send shivers down our spines <laughs> with respect to, you know, uh, hurling, like you say, at 100 feet per second uh, down the highway. But, um, it, you know, there there's there's always this question. There's going to be this question about when things go wrong, who should be responsible. And so... Uh, you talk in your article about some of the possibilities and more so the incentives that these possibilities uh, set up for for people or, or manufacturers. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, what, what are some of our options with respect to liability here? Well, right now it seems that the existing product liability laws, um, you know, set that, you know, if a manufacturer... You know, if a car caused the accident, then the, man, the manufacturer would be at fault. I mean, that's just the way product liability laws are right now. Right. Uh, if, the, if the car caused the crash, 
they're at fault. Uh, you know, whether it's Toyota, it's Lexus, it's Ford, it's Honda, they're going to be at fault, and they're going to have to pay up. Um, as far as driverless technology goes, it seems to be there are rumors in the industry that, you know, whether, you know, it's Google having to pay for the software that goes in or the manufacturer of the car that, that Google is eventually going to partner with, um, we, the consumer, are going to have to pay additional, uh, you know, fees on top of the sticker price because of that sort of specialized insurance package that they're going to get. You know, if, if those manufacturers are going to have to pony up all this money to make sure that, you know, nothing goes wrong with their cars, then we should have to pay a little bit more is uh, what the industry seems to be saying. So you're saying in some sense that the <laughs> the insurance is going to be built into the price of the car, at least with respect to uh, who's liable amongst the manufacturers and the and the software makers? Correct. I mean, right now, I mean, we're just if we're just using you know a thought experiment, and you're sitting in the car and you're going to work, and you have you have no access to the controls. Sure, you can press the stop or the end button, uh, but in this thought experiment, you know you're not really causing the car to move forward. And you've purchased the vehicle, and you're sitting in it, and you've told it where you want to go, or at least it assumes where you want to go. But you're not actually making you know the individual decisions to turn left or right or go at a certain speed. So it's hard to, you know, go into that sort of law school question, you know, what is, you know, negligence or duty, breach, actual cause, proximate cause. I mean, what really caused this accident? It seems to be it would be the software uh, guys or the, the manufacturer, which would be the, you know, the car manufacturer who would be responsible or liable in this case. Well, I mean, if if a car incorporates, uh, say, Google's uh, automated technology, and there is a is a you know there's a crash, uh, how do we know that Google was responsible for it? How do we know what the problem was? I mean, we're we're kind of saying, well, if this, if that, but I mean, there's a big question of proof, right? Well, the uh, black boxes are going to be put in the vehicle soon anyway, and the black boxes could be. Uh, the objective referee, uh, especially with hardware software questions, you can go back and trace back uh, what was the instrumentality that caused the the accident. And if it was a number of them, which, you know, like a calamity of uh, multiple failures, then you'd be able to see who's at fault there. So, I mean, do you think that there needs to be a a fundamental change with respect to negligence law or or products liability law? I mean, products liability, uh, you know, and is is a I suppose a, a little bit more of a recent developed area of law, but nonetheless a, a pretty developed area of law. Uh, negligence goes back hundreds of years to the common law. Uh, well, I mean, do we think that uh, there needs to be some legislation that uh, upends this? Well, that's a that's a tough question, Evan. Um, I I love technology personally, and I have sort of a a soft spot for for Google because you know they've created a lot of things that have made my life personally a lot easier, as as with a lot of other startup companies and and mega corporations in Silicon Valley. So you know it, at some point I think politicians politicians will have to you know balance you know liability issues with you know, the benefits that innovation brings to the consumer. Um, I'm not really saying that, you know, we give Google and all these manufacturers a big break, but, you know, there has to be some sort of balance because uh, if the manufacturers and the software programmers are always going to be strictly liable, 
for the kinds of automobile accidents that are going to be ahead of us in the next 50, maybe even 10, 20 years, um, you know, that's, that seems to be something that would stifle innovation and uh, really even hurt our, us as a consumer um, in terms of what sort of, you know, technology we get to enjoy. Well, the, and that is in some sense one of the criticisms of products liability law, right? It, it doesn't, uh, in some sense, take into account the societal benefit of some of these technologies that uh, perhaps you maybe you know have a few bad apples here or there, um, uh, but but for the most part, you know, it's, it's certainly if you're talking about um, uh, a product failure, a specific product failure rather than a design failure. Uh, you you have this enormous societal benefit, but nonetheless, you could still have pretty big judgments that could bankrupt companies uh, when a handful of things go wrong. Well, I would hope that there would be some sort of cap that would allow some sort of recovery for faulty manufacturing or faulty software, uh, but limited so that a lot of manufacturers aren't driven out of business. And if I may add, Evan, yeah. the one addition, the one great feature of driverless technology is that with every accident, and we hope, of course, there are not going to be any, but inevitably there's going to be at least one or two, um, with every accident, the driverless technology is going to get even better. They're going to be able to map out what locations are uh, more you know, akin or, or more likely to have car crashes and what sort of movements these sort of vehicles are, are, or should not be taking. And uh, that collective information is actually going to make each generation of driverless technology even better. Whereas, you know, with every human um, automobile accident, we don't necessarily get any better with driving. Right. Well, and one of the other things you point out in the article is, you know, one of the options is to kind of, you know, make the law like uh, like airplanes where, you know, the autopilot is on for a long time. But, uh, you know, as soon as a plane might get close to another plane, it's time for the pilot to take over. Uh, And so one of the options might be to say, well, listen, you know, the driver needs to stay alert. And if something, you know, comes (laughs) comes too close or there seems to be a foreseeable problem, the driver needs to hit the button and take over. Uh, But as you point in your article, that is in some sense problematic, too, because the car is just moving too fast oftentimes for uh, a driver to to think faster than the computer. Exactly. a car, as I said, 70 miles an hour moves uh, 100 feet per second, and your average lane, I believe, is 12 feet and um, 12 feet across. So you don't have that much time between uh, the time you nod off or look aside and the time you go into the median. But but I mean. Just because there is products liability law out there, that wouldn't prevent somebody from suing a driver, even if he is behind, at least under current law, even even if he, uh, you know, was behind the wheel, but uh, the the car was driving in uh, autopilot mode, right? I mean, why wouldn't a driver uh, also be liable or jointly liable? I think you have a very good point. Um, I believe at least for the foreseeable future, um, until this... This um, technology is shaken out. There will be some sort of joint liability. Uh, again, the black box is going to make the uh, final call. Yeah. So uh, if if the driver uh, could have made a, a safe uh, stop of the vehicle or rendered it in some safe condition, but didn't, they're the ones that are going to be liable. 
But, you know, on the other hand, though, I mean, is it really fair for somebody to uh, to be liable? Uh, I mean, how and it really goes, I suppose, to the heart of, you know, how much reliance is it uh, reasonable for somebody to place in automated technology? Um, You know, if, in fact, you know, we're told these cars really can do (laughs) amazing things and take us from point A to B safely uh, as, you know, the companies are touting. Uh, shouldn't you be able to sit back and uh, rely on this technology? It's it's uh, it's funny you ask that, Evan, because uh, you know John and I were just talking about this earlier today about just you know your regular printer in the office or at home. I mean, from time to time you need to put in new drivers, or the ink runs out, or it just doesn't recognize that you know you're sending a certain document to it. it doesn't turn on. It goes off. I mean. The reliability of these driverless uh, vehicles are going to have to be much higher, but at the same time, I mean, so much technology around us tends to fail. Right. And, and, and that's a kind of that's a, a scary thought to to think that you know while you're sitting in a vehicle, you know, checking your Facebook, listening to music, you know, dozing off for a few seconds, as as you might well do in a driverless tech, uh, in driverless car, um, your car might just malfunction. I mean, that's a scary thought, but I, I don't really have a good answer to that. But I think um, it's something that these manufacturers and certainly the legislators are, are going to have to uh, consider when they put in new laws. And, and, and just briefly, uh, some of the other issues that you do raise, uh, privacy, criminal liability, hacking, uh, there, are, there are still a number of legal issues, uh, even uh, aside from liability, that uh, people and legislatures are going to have to consider. I mean, privacy, uh, the idea of being tracked by companies and uh, getting all this information about you, where you go, what time you went there, uh, criminal liability. You, uh, yeah, I, I love your example, going into a small town and Google didn't update the fact that their speed limit is now <laughs> lower than it used to be, and you get a ticket. Uh, I mean, is that really your fault? That's that's interesting. From at least the privacy standpoint, I think there are some um, maybe either cultural or generational you know, differences. A lot of you know younger people these days love to just tell people what restaurant they're at or what venue they're at. Um, and in fact, Google uh, has this option where every time you go to work and arrive at work, you can alert everybody in a certain Google Plus circle as to, you know, now you've actually reached work and you're fine. Um, That's an option. In fact, I think uh, telephone companies like Verizon allow you to do that, where you can actually get constant updates of where your kids are at or your husband or your wife. Um, Mm. You know, so those privacy issues are maybe more of a, a personal question, but certainly when it comes to a black box in case anything goes wrong, you know, we, we think about the, uh, you know, the sort of airplane you know, problems, these um, catastrophic, catastrophic uh, you know, airplane uh, crashes that have happened, you know, the MH370 Malaysian Airlines, you know, you know, that black box would be invaluable. And sure, there are some privacy issues there, but, you know, if we were to be able to get some sort of device that gives us all this information, why wouldn't we uncover that either for the benefit of the community or the manufacturer or even the people involved in the accidents themselves. Um, That's a price we all have to pay if we want to be able to better our society and progress, I guess. Um, With regards to your your criminal question, though, um, and hacking, I mean, that's that's a whole other can of worms. I think maybe, John, you might want to add to that. Well, with with hacking, um, 
the technology is going to be such that uh, external information is going to be coming into the car from uh, roadside sensors and uh, other kinds of perhaps even police devices uh, following along. And um, if somebody's able to get in that, that way, they're also going to be able to get in through hacking, and they could probably take out a, a radius of cars if it's a wireless kind of uh, hacking incident, and they may be able to uh, cripple a number of cars on the road, take out their sensors or whatever, and that, that becomes a, a big concern. So they'd have to be essentially hackable, unhackable. 824-5824-949-UCI-KUCI. Well, and just, just lastly, do you think there needs to be legislation uh, before uh, consumers are able to get behind the wheel, uh, or if there is a wheel, <laughs> of an automated vehicle? Uh, or, I mean, is the state of the law such that, uh, you know, an auto manufacturer could actually start selling uh, Google's uh, uh, car technology uh, today? I don't know what you mean. Let's court settle it out. Well, in in other words, I mean, if Audi were to come out with a v- autonomous vehicle for consumers uh, tomorrow, uh, are, are we ready to go, legally speaking? And uh, yeah, exactly. Just let the courts uh, duke it out. I I think I think there has to be something um, something new to sort of carve out this this you know some set of laws um, that are appropriate for the kind of technology out there. You know, uh, sure, there's your black letter law, and then we can always apply those you know, some of these obsolete or outdated laws to new technology, but oftentimes, though, um, it's just inapplicable or otherwise it's misconstrued. Um, liability and issues of negligence, um, that goes often towards people, and we put them on the hook because they're likely to just run away otherwise. You know, people try to um, run away from the kinds of uh, responsibilities that they have, but, you know, computers don't really... Uh, you know, they don't have a say either way, and they don't really try to run away. Uh, they're, they're, all this information that they're processing or the decision they've made, they're all logged, like we were talking about with the black box. And I think uh, if that is the case, uh, you know, new laws put in place would actually help all of us, not just the states like California, Nevada, and Florida that have uh, allowed for testing, but uh, maybe the rest of America and the world. Uh, we will need a new uh, legal infrastructure to be able to um, sensibly allow these vehicles to be on the road. John O'Rourke and uh, Patrick Soon of WHGC here in Newport Beach, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon on KUCI on the docket. Thank you so thank much, you. Evan. Take care, Evan. Thank you. 824-5824-949-UCI-KUCI. I'm Evan Simon. It's the docket on KUCI and KUCI.org. Stay close.